Jenny Donheiser. And I'm Nicole Spezio. And this and is, this is how, how Are You Brainwashed? brainwashed? I'm yeah. invigorated by the conversation that we just had that you're all going to listen to now. Yes. Movie magic. Sometimes we record the beginning at the end. They get it. They know what's up. We did do that today. And really, what a great conversation. What a great literal guy. Yeah, that was very enlightening. And you guys, you guys will see. You'll see. (laughs) You'll see. You'll see it. You'll like it. What do we need to tell the people before they listen to our Gorge interview with Guy? I don't know. Do we want to talk? Do you have anything you want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) You know, guys, we we were talking about this. We're recording backlog, Jenny, maternity leave, you know. So if you're listening to this, I, as I speak, haven't had my baby. But as you're listening to this, know that I did have my baby, probably, hopefully. Know that... Yes, you definitely will have had the baby, uh, the baby and know that um, whatever popular opinions are happening on Housewives, we probably share them. I don't know. Maybe Jenny's too busy to watch because she has her baby, but I'm still watching for damn sure. No, I got to do something while I nurse. All you do in the beginning is nurse, 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 nurse. But yeah, we don't know anything that's going on in the world pop culture wise or um, news wise. Not that we, we hope that comment. things are good in the with the world and we hope things are good with our listeners and we know things are good with our guests hell yeah let's play the app roll the tape let's get into it baby jenny i feel like it's time to bring in our wonderful guest yes please the listeners are gonna (laughs) love what they're about to hear today we are welcoming genius comedian writer actor author of the incredible gorge book truly i love my life as a goddess and memoir through unpopular culture. Come on, honey. How fun is that? Host of also the amazing talk show, The Game Show, which I love so much. Just a, a true light. Please welcome to the pod, Guy Bram. Hello. Good to be here. Very excited to be on the pod. Oh, we are it's been honestly, it's been, it has been too long since I got a dose of Spezio, and I'm excited for it. I really agree. The feeling is extremely mutual, babe. <laughs> Wish I could say the same, see her every goddamn day. <laughs> I mean, that's the frustration that comes with stable relationships, Jenny. You know? We I have know. we have moved in just from best friends to now work wife territory. And it's going, I think, well overall. Yeah. Uh, I had two colleagues who were in each other's lives so hard that they were coming up on like five months of having seen each other every day. And there was going to be one day when they didn't see each other. So one just drove to the other's house and just looked at her and then left. And that's that's what I'm looking for in friendship. Wow, Nicole, would you ever just come look at me for a day if we had? Honey, it's been 15 years. Like, I feel like I got it. I'll I'll see you the next time. Yeah, wow. Nicole would have to get on a bus to the G train to do that. And I think I don't talk about our commutes. That's not what they want to hear. I mean, but the G train is such a kooky journey. (laughs) Claudia Cohen, a, a very funny comic, had a, a joke about the the G train. And the only things I remember, it's a, a great place to go to a lawyer who only speaks Polish. Accurate. <laughs> a million percent. If that's what you're <laughs> looking for, the G train will get you there. I've survived off of her for too many years. Guys, Guy, are you full Los Angeles forever now? I'm full Los Angeles forever. I love California. I love being a Californian, which is different from loving California. Today, I got in an extremely extended fight, one-sided, with 
uh, a Los Angeles Times agriculture reporter because I thought he misconstrued carrot production in the Central Valley. And two times I've had to, for jobs, go to New York, but I do not like the weather about 80% of the time, and that is real hard for me. That's absolutely fair. We were just discussing Jenny has a, one of those sad lamps oh. that's supposed to make you feel yes. happy. It doesn't seem like it's working. <laughs> I don't think I've been using it correctly. But yeah, it's for seasonal depression, which huge shout out. Here it is. <laughs> I do love- I'll just blind your ass right now. Are you um, familiar with the phenomenon of the bro hackers and the red lights? No. It's, they're like your your body needs light it's a similar sort of your body needs light but they put red light on their genitals to increase their testosterone production and i love that we're essentially marketing the same thing which is your body would like some sunlight thank you (laughs) but to men and women in sort of like you're so sad versus learn how to hunt and kill better Oh my god, that is so upsetting. Yikes. Red light on your testicles. Amazing. My doula did just tell me that if my baby has jaundice, I should put it in the sun. (laughs) When my niece was born, she had jaundice, and so my job on her first day of life was to hold her in the sunshine. But then it didn't do enough, so then we had to put her in a little tanning bed for a week. Yeah, yeah. A baby tanning bed? Baby tanning bed. Oh, wow. I had no such idea that that was a thing. <laughs> was that at the hospital to clear yes, the was, jaundice? Yeah. yeah it yeah. was at the hospital. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you didn't just have it in your home. Yes. Yes. Well, if my baby has jaundice, it won't be a great time of year for it to be cured because it's no. dark. At, it's look, this is it's six o'clock. It's pitch black out there. Which is why you need your sad lamp to feel a why I happy. need my yes. sad lamp. I'm also, you know. My water yeah. could be- hey, hey, maybe you should be the one putting red light on your junk, you know? Exactly. Let a, Everything let a couple of that. Of, let a couple of beans get up in there. <laughs> start curing this jaundice now. <laughs> it is a boy. We could just start pumping him with testosterone via red light through my vagina <laughs> right now. So that he comes out super mask. I'm sorry. I, I don't want I, that. I do know a disproportionate number of gay guys who have the thing that caused you to be jaundiced. And so maybe if your kid is jaundiced, it means that it's going to be a gay. And then you get to be excited. Oh, yeah. queen of Brooklyn moms. Would be, would be really. What a gift. A dream. Yeah. So please, please wish that for me. Please wish I have a... Jaundice I pray for your gay jaundice son. Gay <laughs> <Hey>, jaundice son. <laughs> He'll be the star of Bedsty. <laughs> yeah, I'm just so excited. I, I haven't seen you in a million years. Are you good? How are? How's your whole thing? How's your vibe? I, my whole thing is okay. I mean, okay. truly, a summer of no work. I divide. Oh, mm-hmm. I derive too much of my sense of identity through work, mm-hmm. and so summer of no like there's no acting and there's no writing a little frustrating but also i was like me time in it real hard mm-hmm. and you know wellness wellness you know not something that that we get to think about and also i think as fat people you were expected to think about it in a very different way mm-hmm. um and so actually part of my summer has been getting sunlight because 
fat people are generally have not enough vitamin D. And I was just like, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to eat fatty fish and I'm going to go to the park and take my shirt off and not be scared about it. And I realized this is a privilege I have as a man. But it was also just like nice to be like, I'm doing this. And it's also sort of one of those powers that comes with middle age of like, I don't care what you think. Yeah. just going to be worried about my vitamin D levels. And if you have any issue, that is your little journey. And it's been divine. I love that. I haven't taken my little vitamin D vitamins, but I think probably I should just go sit in the sunlight when I have that access. But also like gaming it in truly just like a bro science kind of way, because you don't really think about it, but the sun that's doing the real work is kind of between 11 in the morning and 2 in the afternoon. And so you got to get there. And then also it's the winter time. So like this shit ain't doing nothing. Though that said, this morning I went and I got breakfast and I just like sat myself in the sun. And I did just feel more energized and great after that. And oh, this summer I went to France and I went to a very fancy restaurant. And before I went into the fancy restaurant, I happened upon a small clutch of doctors who are clearly not well regarded by their peers. One of them was a holistic vet. She was a holistic vet from Florida. And you, if you imagine her, that is who she was. But she was with a British man who asserted to me that a person doesn't need to eat food. You can get all of the energy that you need from the sun. And I was like, you're a peach. Thank you. Thank you. But also, what a weird thing to say while waiting for a two Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> right. That's really a sad power move. Just so you know, I know I'm here. I'm going to spend all this money, but I don't even care because I don't even fucking need it. I know. Fuck off. Wow. It is lame how much it does work. You know? It really, it really works. <laughs> if I get my little ass outside, if I sit in that little sun... It may, mm-hmm. Even just for 10 freaking minutes during the day, it makes such a difference. I got to force myself to do it. That's literally why I got a dog to begin with. Dogs, I could never, I don't think I'm good at being responsible. Maybe as an adult, I should try to be responsible for a dog. <laughs> the times that I have dogs sat, just the whole experience of like, you know, three or four oil walks every day. It's just so nice. It, do- it is good for the mental health, except for when it's, you know, sub-zero or f- cold-ass rain or something like that. But it did save me during the pandemic, I will say. And now I'm just, I was like, I'm going to get this dog to save my mental health during the pandemic. And that's a totally valid reason to get a life form brought into my house. <laughs> well, hey, And now I'm like, obsessed with them, so it's fine. The people I know who were lucky enough to have children like a year beforehand or have like prepped with the whole let's have a child... Where it, like, it was so cool how much, like, intense time they got. But mm-hmm. my mom, my my dad died in 2016. And then less than a year later, her dog, who was only, like, four or five, died very unexpectedly. And, like, all of the pain she could not just be sad about. Because with, with my dad, there's so much procedural stuff. But with mm-hmm. a dog, there's no, like, what will his pension be? And so she had been dog-free for, like, four or five years and then during the pandemic she got a german shepherd who now only understands everyone is at the house at all times 
And in any situation where he does not have the constant love and attention of everyone he loves, he is distraught. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My, my dogs, you could say similar. Is Jenny the... likes to say her dog is similar. It's unclear if it's really a dog thing or if it's Jenny <laughs> thing. Who's feeling the separation anxiety? People say when you have a baby that your pet goes from being your baby to your pet. Um, yeah. I'm curious to see if that happens. I think that the process of having to be aware of your dog is identifies as male. <laughs> yes. At this time, yes. Uh, and- like having to be aware of his needs is a good thing. It is a good balance to all of your helicopter instincts and everything like that. And also just to keep things in perspective, to be like, we have to give him some space too. When I was little, my mom was always really good at modeling. When you give something to the baby, you have to give something to the four-year-old or the four-year-old will hit the baby. Yes, I have been told I have to give them both attention at the same time by a blogger named Dog Meets Baby. (laughs) Oh, well, you gotta listen to Dog Meets Baby. But there's also the very cool way that, like, when your dog understands that there is an addition, like, that this is part of his family and he needs to take care of them, it is really cool. Two of my friends just got a German Shepherd who's, like, a year old. And I went over to their house, like, a day into the dog being there, and the dog was already like, where's the little girl? Have to be by the little girl. Like, the only time he had growled was when the maid entered their room when the little girl was there. And they were like, is this bad? And I was like, no, that's wonderful. It means, like, don't let strangers get near my ward. Right. (laughs) Oh, that's really cute. I hope he thinks of my baby as his ward. Jenny's been playing baby crying sounds on the computer to prime the dog to accept them oh, <laughs> here. I think it's a good wonderful. idea. Yeah. Dog Meets Baby also wanted me to do that. And I do whatever Dog Meets Baby. Like, they're not a sponsor. Stop shouting <laughs> them out. I do love having sources on the internet that know better about something. And you can just be like, let them be in charge. Blindly. Yeah, someone else did the research them. that you care. I can't yes. do it. Yeah. Wish me luck. What's going on with them? This feels like a Seinfeld bit. Joe Biden's dogs. Keep the You were talking about German Shepherds. They keep biting all the Social Security people. Or... <laughs> Social Security. <laughs> Social. <laughs> Social. <laughs> Special special services. Nope. What is it? Secret service. Look, I understand when a man of Joe Biden's age is in question, we all think of Social Security. (laughs) Um, Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I feel bad for poor Ranger Biden. What's his name? It's some sort of very mask. Yeah. Like winner Biden, uh, <laughs> but I just feel like he probably has to deal with too many people in his life, and it probably is better for him to go back to Delaware and just lead a smaller life. Not every dog is meant for the White House, <laughs> right? You know? There's nothing I love better than when dudes run for president and their wife is just like, no, like, um, oh, that guy who ran in 2004, who was our great liberal hope then, but he was the former governor of New Hampshire. Anyway, the point is, is he had a wife who was just like, no, I'm not going to go to events. <laughs> like, I am a doctor in Burlington, Vermont, or whatever. I am just going to be here and not engage with that. And that doesn't work out. 
Like, we all understand that for a Democrat to become president, a woman has to be wasting a graduate degree. A woman (laughs) has to have a law degree from a top flight school or, you know, Dr. Jill is the rare case where it is just she has a degree in English or education or something like that. And she is probably able to actualize her degree in a lot of the policy stuff that she does. But usually it is. I have an Ivy League law degree lying fallow. Yes. You need to stand next to this man quietly. I know. I remember that from Becoming. She had just started a brand new career. She finally got out of corporate law. She was doing what she wanted. And then Barack was like, I want to be president. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember listening to it, you know, on audio as we do and being very distraught for her. Was it good? Would you say it is better and worse or worse than what you imagine Prince Harry's book were was or Britney's book? Like if you were to place the three of them in your imagination on a hierarchy. I did just finish Britney's book. <laughs> okay. Again, again audio <laughs> book. Uh, like rank those three? Yes, yes, please. I would say, well, becoming, then I would say Britney and then Say Prince Harry. <laughs> Prince Harry's book was very good. There were a lot of references to, to Family Guy in it, more than you would think. Um, Multiple and, Family Guy he references. Loves family yes. Guy. He didn't really think a lot about the consequences of the war in Afghanistan he fought in, but it made me think, like, that's a good guy. Um, <laughs> I do want to read Britney's book just because I want to understand. Yeah, and you get the performance of Michelle Williams if you listen to it. I mean, I'm very, I'm very excited. We all know she is a great talent, you know, acting on stage, acting in film, being Busy Phillips' best friend. Like, what can't she do? Yeah. There's a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah, well, she captures something. She captures an essence of Britney, I would say. Um, And I did, I was just constantly taking baths and listening to the Britney book. That's sort of been my journey as of oh, I mean, recent. Celebrity bios are the best thing for audiobooks. I need to spend the time with Barbara's audiobook. It's gonna be ridiculous. Also, yes. I was thinking earlier of Howard Dean, which I had to look up, but the minute I saw him, I remember that his wife's name was Judy Steinberg Dean because, I mean, that name tells you everything you need to know about Dr. Judy Steinberg Dean. She's right. not playing by your rules. I have to go to work. You go do your little thing. I'm going to see my patients. <laughs> Howard Dean, right? He squealed like a pig and that ruined his career. We were over it. There can't be a left. There couldn't be a left for four years because he made it okay <laughs> for everybody. He made some crazy noise. That's all I remember about him. And that's, um, that's a bummer. <laughs> well, Nicole, should we ask a guy the... Should we get into it? Should we ask him the question? Let's do it. Yeah. I'd be happy to frame this. So our podcast famously is called How Are You Brainwashed? And that is a question that we ask all of our guests. And by that, we mean what did you used to think was just true? How the world worked? Fact. But then maybe you got a little older, a little wiser. And you said, actually, I feel like that was just maybe brainwashing this whole time. I mean, I feel that way very deeply about a couple of things right now. And would you prefer mm-hmm. that I go very personal or very global? I want it's pull it a tri- Pull a trigger. Pull a trigger. Personal. All right. I mean, that goes back to the vitamin D stuff. And it is just like your body is broken. Not even your body is broken. Your body is a failure. It didn't start out at a place of fixed. It started out just as a fat person who has always been a fat. It is like 
your body is a failure. You have to be mad at your body. The only way to go through life is a constant state of madness at your body that will never change anything, but it is the only noble way of approaching your body. And you need to be kind of apologetic at all times that your body isn't becoming less. And, you know, what's so funny is that also all of the language that we have for structuring these thoughts are directed towards the women folk. Mm-hmm. And so when you are a, a man who is also being defined in those ways, first of all, it does queer, like, I think it does problematize your gender identity and place you mm-hmm. in a space that is not solid, not, you know, not in the strictest of terms, cis, but also mm-hmm. the paths that you try to take in a dumb way about, because there's always this notion that you're going to journey out of it. That like right. there, there this are, is temporary. There, there are virtuous folks who make it through those mountains and then they get to the promised land and everything is fine. But everything for that is so dramatically not structured for what my body is or what my body does. And like mm-hmm. one of the weird things is like I have had a shifting set of gendered body precepts placed over me. Starting out, I was from a farm town in Northern California and Big and strong is a thing that men are. And so there were like demands of big strongness that were, but it was like, also like, you play ball, you play ball. There was this, you have to be using that big strongness in this very specific way. Liking dancing is not a thing that you were taking pleasure. There was this way that they approved of bigness, but I wasn't able to find pleasure through my body in any way because they were always annoyed that it wasn't being used in their ways. Mm-hmm. And then you shift on to gayness where my giganticness just doesn't make sense. It took me a long time to sort of figure out that I could be gay because I was coming mm-hmm. at it with just a different kind of body. And just the notion, and like, truly, I am not fixed. We all understand the problem with Oprah is that she always wants to tell you, now I've got it. Now <laughs> I've got it. You you just roast a red pepper and you don't put any fat in things, and then I'm fixed. And then right. you only take one bite of dessert, and it's fixed. And I don't think that I am fixed. But I also think that there's a way that what is placed upon us is an idea that, okay, accepting the idea that there is fat phobia and there is anger at fatness in the world, that the way out of that is again traveling through the mountains, but this time in our minds. Right. This time in our mind, we're supposed to remove all of the things that are self hatred, all of the things that are telling you what you can't do or what your body can't be or what your body should be. And you're just supposed to, in a world that isn't changing itself in any way, you're just supposed to unmake that. And just trying to deal with that has been, it's a a hard thing. And I think I definitely am in a better place now than I have been in past. But that is not perfection. And it doesn't mean that I'm done. And also, it doesn't mean I'm ever going to get out of those mountains. I just need to be happy being in those mountains. I go to a trainer because I won't go to the gym on a regular basis if I don't have one. And it's not because I don't enjoy it. It is because it is a space that's not for me. Mm-hmm. It is a space where my existence is a failure, particularly if I go to a shiny gay gym, which is like fun and cool to look at, but 
One of my big self-care gestures of the past like year is going to the real shitty gym that my (laughs) uh, trainer works out of because it's like, you don't have to worry here. Like everyone is, is a recent immigrant from Eastern Europe who is training to be a boxer. Like there's nothing fancy going on here. But yeah, I think it has been just trying to like remove me from so many of the things that have been placed upon me. And mm-hmm. like that comes from so many directions. I'm now open to questions. Thank you. Well, all of the, all of it, except for the gender sexuality specific stuff. Yes. I cannot relate to. I can only relate to my horrible straight woman experience of being fat, <laughs> which is no, its no. own bad stuff. Nicole, no one's saying you're not a gay man. No one's saying I, you're not a gay you. man. I can't say it, but I will accept <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think there is so much in there. Like, yes, I cannot love myself hard enough to make the world less fat phobic. Like, that's yeah. not a, something that I can actually control. You guys actually have to accommodate my body, right. first of all, and stop hating me for living. Yeah. That, I think, is such an important part of it. And then, yeah, oh, my God, the amount of times I used to, like, sometimes get in the Oprah phase, too, of, like, well, now I actually figured out that I can walk, and I like walking, and then now I figured it out, and then it's then it's done, and then I'm like, have you tried boxing? Boxing is good and strong, and I can do boxing. Like, the physical piece of it, I still cannot figure out for me on my path. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what that looks like for me. The feeling, like, the giving up of the my life when I lose weight, she's dead and gone. Oh, I, okay. My trainer is somebody who used to be very fat and now is like a roidy bodybuilder. And when I first went to him, he was wanting me to imagine when I am at the point I want to be at. And I was like, that is not helpful to me. Yeah. Practice is help- is helpful to me. Knowing what tomorrow is going to be and the day after is helpful to me. And also being able to have space for like, I don't know, just the thing that that's 100% not the most important thing in my life. Like, there are going to be times when this guy has to go to script in. There are going to be times when this guy has to do a a bunch of other stuff. And sometimes those things will be more important. And there's just so much dripping condescension when so many people ask all of these questions Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. sort of like, well, one day you'll be human like me. What does that (laughs) look like for you? I feel it's very I feel very connected to cigarette smokers in this way. It's like the only other thing that it's like, have you actually heard that this is bad for you and you shouldn't do it? And I actually know more than you. It's like, don't tell me shit about my own fucking body. You do not know what it is like to live in it. I love that your trainer used to be fat. I think that's the only way I could see someone who was a trainer. <laughs> yes. Personally. No, he- like he's very wonderful and he's very open about like you know i processed some emotions through taco bell over the weekend or i you know just sort of for me one of the things that was helpful to brainwashing was living in west hollywood and realizing that like all gay men are in some version of this they're just not in the they're not in the version where the world is weaponized against you right. but they are playing the games against themselves And, like, that he experiences so much frustration because he's just a ripped-out, roided-out 
like muscle guy who has four visible abs instead of his boyfriend's <laughs> eight. Or like there was Broadway guy. I talk about this in my book, but like Broadway guy who moved to LA and he was like, oh, and he, to me, he was just like a level of hot where the uh, whole of gay world is opened up to you. And he was just like, I'm just self-conscious to walk down the street with everybody else who's here. And it's like, thank God, everyone's trapped in their mind. Like, I need to remember, there's something fun about realizing everybody's trapped in their mind, but it doesn't change the fact that, like, they get to fly main cabin and never experience fear. And, like, we have just been told that gross shame in flying in a plane is something that you owe the people around you. Mm -hmm. If you're not performing it at all times, very rude. The amount of times that I have full, like, King Tut <laughs> into <Yes>. my seat. <laughs> yes. Being, I, I'm the smallest person that ever lived. I'm so sorry, you guys. I'm doing everything I can to make you feel comfortable. Meanwhile, I can't breathe. My l- <laughs> knees are in my mouth. Like, yes. it's terrible. God forbid our arms might touch. You might have to touch the flesh of a fat person for four hours while gravity is defied. Like, well, you travel thousands of miles in four hours. You might have to briefly touch a fat person. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it is, like, it is hard to say, like, you always want to say I'm unbrainwashed. You're never going to be able to say you're unbrainwashed because it is like, I imagine it is the way that you guys have to approach a world that is fundamentally misogynistic of, like, I can undo some of the knots, but there are just, there are so many knots, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not going to be fixed. Like, imagining that a world where we've got three lady Supreme Court justices <laughs> and a vice president means, well, I should be unfettered by all of history and all of culture. Right. Is unfair to everyone. Every time I think I got a knot undone, I'm like, oh, I'm working out for me. <laughs> it makes me feel good. It helps my mental health or whatever. It's not for the male gaze or to be hot or whatever. Another not just sort of a you get pregnant and you say, oh, no, I'm gaining all this weight and you're, I'm freaking out about my form. My form. <laughs> Is that what we call it? Freaking out, you know, my silhouette. It's just like, what? Who? You're growing a human being, and I'm still over right. here crying about how I'm changing. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it just sucks to realize the knot is still there. Are there are there other times when you feel power in the actualization? I mean, you must feel power in the actualization of this possibility. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's like it. it, it we will forever be finding you know, ways to imprison ourselves in our minds, but, and growth only comes from continuing to fight those walls, I guess. Like what no one's ever, what you're saying, no one's ever cured. No one's ever healed. And I don't know, society will just continue to be society and we got to fucking, it sucks that onus is on us to teach them about this shit. I, for a very long time, to the point of sort of like brainwashing, when it came particularly to casting things, Uh, (laughs) I was just like, well, they're probably right. I would be an eyesore in their show. And for a very long time, lots of people I knew just didn't ever think to put me in stuff the way that they put other people in stuff. Because if there's not a very specific reason that this person needs to be very, very fat, they didn't understand why I would be there. And all right, 
let me tell you a sentimental story from the not too distant past. So winter before the pandemic, Billy Eichner had the table read for Bros, the movie that he did. And he had me come in and he had me read two parts. And I am very used to when it comes to like comedy shows, people will have me on the practice shows that they do around town because they know that I'll sell it and I'll make the show look good. And then once the show is on TV, you get people who are more famous than I am. And I was like, I understand that. And so it was a role and it was a role that I knew was based on his best friend who is this like, you know, hot, muscular, tall, what a gay guy is supposed to be. And so the table read happened and I was like, yay. And then I knew that auditions were going on for the movie and I was like, can you get me in there? And they were like, they said you were great at the table read and they don't need to audition you. And I was like, fuck that. Uh, you know, I was just sort of like, uh, well, this is just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I, like truly when it like persisted through to I got to be in the movie the whole time I was like, this is just not going to happen. You know, like it's just not going to happen. And like I would I was so thankful and so pleased. And then the director put me in a TV show that he did. And suddenly people were behaving as though I was not occupying too much of the screen or too much of an eyesore or whatever. But let me immediately segue into this. And I will be fascinated to know, Spezio, if you have similar experiences at all. But the, like, the barrier, I think casting directors very frequently, very frequently they are actors who did not have the career that they wanted to have. And I think that a lot of gay, a lot of women have been very generous to me and a lot of gay guys are like, if I didn't make it, is this guy going, to, you know, mm-hmm. but also the like barrier beyond that, which is stunning to me, is wardrobe departments apparently think that they are also allowed to say, this person can't be in the movie. And uh, on a thing that I worked on, I knew that clothes for me are hard and are just a thing that people don't understand. It's actually astoundingly simple because there's only one store. (laughs) There's only one store and you just have to know what to do there. And like some people are not used to, I'm very big, but I also need things that are longer because I am kind of tall. And I just went to the wardrobe trailer to be like, hey, I just wanted to say hi. And if you have any questions... You can talk to me. And the wardrobe man, who was 100% a gay man in his, like, early 50s, was like, you cannot possibly be in this movie. Uh, or I'm not, I should not say what the project was. Mm-hmm. But he was like, what's your first day of shooting? And I told him, and he looked at the calendar, and he said, you're in the gym scenes? And it was, you know, I mean, it was exactly the kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, it is wonderful to have a pretty woman, you are not allowed to shop here moment. Right. You know, right. Like, there is something nice about that, but it was, and it, it, this is not the only time I have experienced that, where a wardrobe department is just sort of like, I cannot possibly be expected to do my job for you. And yeah. like, there are people who are nicer about saying, can you bring your own clothes? And I have, you know, I have a nice life here in Los Angeles and I got some good clothes, so why don't we use them? But just the notion that, like, everybody else on my own fucking talk show, on my own fucking talk show, my friend Casey was the judge and they would get stuff for him that was good because they knew how to do it and they would Mm -hmm. not do that for me. This was the first season. The second season, we got an amazing stylist who works with, like, 
she is a black woman who works with black stars and is not scared of a human body. And it it was what I needed. And I'm so appreciative of people like that. But it is bonkers that people are allowed to say, I'm not going to do my job because you are fat. Yeah, a hundred percent. The amount of times that I'll show up to something and they'll be like, oh, that's better than what we pulled for you. Can you yes. actually just can you stay in that? I'm like, yes. well, I wouldn't have fucking commuted down to Atlantic City in my goddamn leggings yes. if I knew you wanted me on camera in them. But sure. Yes. Like, so I, I understand that. Yes, sometimes wardrobe asks people of all sizes to wear their own clothes. But I yes. do think that it is not the same <laughs> for us. And it's just so clear to me when like you have someone who has never dressed someone in these sizes has no idea what to and it's a delicate balance because i don't want to look fucking stupid so i'd rather tell you where to shop than you not know but that's still not my job or they think their weird job is to hide you in some way they think their weird job is to like protect you against your fatness right and it's like no like this and i realize you're used to dressing actors and actresses And that is such a specific set of body types mm-hmm. that they have internalized as the requisite. And right. it is a little bit like, I don't know, fuck you. What, why, why is this job getting to reinforce these structures that are already in place in so many ways? And truly, it's not like I unbrainwashed myself about this properly. It, I just came to a point in time where I was a producer on something. Normally, I would have just been shame, 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 run away. And then I was like, no, we're going to have a talk about this because it's like other people are going to come after me. And, you know, like I was on a show where they did make stuff for me and then like they didn't properly stitch it and the pants immediately tore. And I went and I had a fucking conversation with them because I wasn't just an actor on that. I was also a producer on it. And so like a lot of other people don't have the p- ability to talk back in that yeah, way to production. Totally. So I was going to talk back and I realized that's me being a dick to somebody who's just trying to do their job, but also do your fucking job. Not doing their job. No. I mean, that is insane. To, like do your fucking job. <laughs> like, And also, don't you want to look good in this, whatever you've been hired on and make everybody look great and like spit the, you know, oh God, that's so frustrating. I remember when uh, Leslie Jones was like, well, someone dressed me and Christian Seriano was like, yeah. And and now he's like, it was so easy to just start dressing people of all sizes. It's like, what is what? How late fat women could not get anything. I mean, famously, Geraldine Page, one of the greatest actresses of all time, was nominated for Best Actress in 1986. She ended up winning, but, like, because she was an older woman who was round, no one would dress her. She had to show up to the Oscars in something off the rack. And then I think back to, I was working at Fashion Police when uh, Octavia Spencer was nominated for The Help. And she was, it's a Japanese guy, I forget his name, but he fucking, she was showing up snatched to absolutely everything because there was a designer who was treating her like a human being. And, you know, it's like, and there's also the way, and I do not mean to like say, oh, poor men, but there are a way when it comes to these body image issues, we have talked about women and we don't know how to talk about men. Totally. And, And it is like, truly, okay, going into fucking bros coming out, I had to be perfectly serious that. This is a bunch of queer people 
and they are going to be showing up looking ridiculous and fun at all times because they can go to Zara and snag something and they get to be a little ridiculous gem. I, if I go to like big and tall men's stores are like, you're a JV football coach. That's who you are. That's who you should be. And like before the pandemic, we did have, there was like a fancy version of it that was just sweaters for Harvey Weinstein. But I would 100% go in there and drop some cash and walk out with some sweaters for Harvey Weinstein. But that closed during the pandemic. So I literally was, I'm going to have to go on the red carpet and essentially get not get to be gay along with everyone else because of what's going on. And so I was just like, I'm going to put down the money and I'm going to get a stylist. And the thing is, is like, mm-hmm. no one's offering me things the way that they are offering things to a Joel Kim booster or something like that. I had to, you know, take my hard earned hacks money, take my <laughs> hard earned the other two money, <laughs> lay it down and have some shit made for me. Yeah. But the experience, the experience of getting ready for those events and not being in what way will my body betray me? In yeah. what like the fact that it was something made for my body mm-hmm. was like it, it meant that I got to go through those experiences without a fear that I am used to, that I got mm-hmm. to just experience them. And it was so valuable and so wonderful. And it does kill me when people are like, where did you buy that? And the answer is I paid an attorney's monthly income to um, have a nice suit. There is monthly income. It was like (laughs) an attorney's biweekly income. (laughs) There is still one store in person in New York that I can shop in. Like, yeah, without, you know, you're like sad, sad aunt section of Macy's like sometimes, right. you know, but like that has like cool actual clothes. Shout out plus Brooklyn. I love you. Yeah. Um, but it's like yeah. I, I live in fucking New York City. I can't right. I can't shop in more than one store. Oh, OK. Can I tell you a, a lovely story? I over the summer, I flew from Costa Rica through Atlanta to Paris but because it was, I think because it was an unusual international to international, they lost some of my luggage and they were just like, just go buy yourself some stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't even know how that would work. And like the end of the answer was I found the one big and tall shop in Paris and it was amazing. And like the guy who was there was just like, we're going to take care of this. And like Delta had to pay for all of it. But there was the horror of realizing there's like one other cute shop that I can go to. It's just 8,000 miles away. <laughs> but yeah, like the, the number of brick and mortars that exist, like is very small. And it is, we are at a time when gay male culture is very little outfit based. And I just can't little outfit with the boys in that way. Yeah, you. I I really have never thought about it from the male perspective of like being big is not a bad thing if it's being used to like crush other people or like do sports and like in a hyper masculine setting. That's like something I've never really thought about. But yeah, of, co- of course, that's the way that there would be value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's not the same 
there like there are so many benefits that come from being a large man you know but then there are also ways that fatness is stigmatized and is like effeminizing in our culture and and Mm -hmm. all of these things and there are also things that i like I love and celebrate like there's there's also something about like, I, I like the person that I am. And I and I think so many of those the trouble with the stories of leaving your fatness behind are that you have to hate yourself and want to go off and be another person. And like, I don't right. like yeah. um, I'm like wonderful and very, very charming. And <laughs> same. I, yes. <laughs> yes. And like I. I wish I could be appreciated more and like I wish there were more clothes that understood how my body works and I wish that there were airline seats that comp- like it's very frustrating to me. I'm at a point in my life where you know it's like I have been able to fly the good way um <laughs> most of the time for like the past 5 years but also Uh, Like, as a touring comedian, think about how much more money I would have made if I had not had to drop that much for those things. And also, it's just, like, it's the class issue around fatness, that Mm -hmm. it is just sort of, like, you're fat, you're not supposed to want to travel internationally unless you are Mm -hmm. grossly wealthy. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not okay. Like, that's not, it's like, twinks are allowed to just pop down to Australia for a good time. (laughs) How on earth could I do that? Right. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have to shell out all your hard-earned money to be comfortable or to feel comfortable at an event. That said, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I I shouldn't have to, and it would be nice not to. But I also think it is only having the money to obviate some of these things that I took for granted as obligations and fears made me more aware of them. And, like, I have purchased a main cabin ticket for the end of the month to go to New York. And am I hoping that my Delta Diamond gets, it takes me to a better place before then? Yes. But also, if I have to sit in the main cabin seat next to somebody, I'm not going to give two shits. I'm not going to give two shits. Because they also paid the shit money. Right. Like, they paid the shit money. If you don't want to have to touch it, in the same way that, like, oh, fat person, you should have bought like the thing is is also like comfort plus is not a wider seat Comfort plus is like if you don't want to touch a fat person pay for a better seat agreed what what is comfort plus what are we doing there it's It's more leg room but i need more ass room (laughs) (laughs) extend the other way delta god damn all those all those tears in the back they're a joke there's no difference you're by the emergency door. That's economy plus now. Just by the door. So I have a little more space. <sighs> I love by the door. Shoving myself into the wall of the, the airplane is how I give myself a sense of comfort. It's like I'm not in their space. I am crunched against wall. Putting myself in the window alcove. Enough. <laughs> Put my one arm here so I feel like I'm in my own space. Nightmare. Thank God we had you on this podcast to talk about this. Can I say one more thing? Claire? Yeah, please. Because I am, I did not expect to go full size healthy on this podcast, but I am a hundred percent. But let me just say, like, fat people are gigantic, and we need to be eating enough protein to be taking care of ourselves. And a lot of the time we are like you are told to like 
it, it is this idea that you should be making yourself less. It is my anger and my worry about Ozempic and Monjaro mm-hmm. is that it is just making people less mm-hmm. without worrying about are they strong enough to take care of themselves. And like truly the greatest step of liberation I took, it was like I intellectually understood that you were supposed to consume 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of weight. And I intellectually understood that, but then I also understood that I am fat and I eat too much and I needed to not do that. And like, there was a point late in last year where I was just like, let's see how I feel if I eat 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body. And you want to know what? Everything's been better. (laughs) Like things have just been better. Just sort of saying my job is not to destroy myself. My job is to support the parts of myself that make me happen. And and it's not like that now means that I have a body that is cognizable to most of the world, but it means that I have energy and it means that I am happy and I am feeling good. And nobody is telling fat people that they are allowed to feel good, you know, and and that that we get to treasure feeling good. You are at most allowed to just like, please don't shame me. (laughs) (laughs) And if I feel tired and I need to sit down, I can be honest about that. And you know what? It's because I'm carrying around a lot of weight. And, it's, and yeah. I'm strong and I might need a little break sometimes. Okay. Sh- shame around that shit is just like so hard that like everybody's in a different situation. I, I talk about this in my book, but I went on a vacation with a friend of mine who is like a muscly gay guy. And we went to go snorkeling. And I was so terrified that I wouldn't be able to keep up. And I I like swam and I couldn't see him the whole time. And then when we got back to the boat, I was so busy being scared that I wouldn't be able to keep up. It wasn't until like halfway through that I was like, this is fine. I'm having a great time. And then when we got back to the boat, he was there. And I was like, what happened? And he was like, I had trouble swimming. And so I just immediately got to the boat. (laughs) And it's like, When you look like you're supposed to look, you're allowed to sit down. When you look like you're supposed to look, you're allowed to like, it's like, calm, calm down. Like, we're allowed to have needs too. The amount of times that I will walk up a flight of stairs and then start looking at my phone like I need to, I'm not catching my (laughs) breath. I'm, I actually felt amazing walking up all those stairs. I don't need a little break at all. I'm doing something. Back off. Yes. Also, sometimes I'm going to sweat. Let's maybe, maybe I will have a little piece of cloth in my pocket to be able to put my sweat away. But also if I sweat, that's not your problem. Like you don't need to be involved in that. You don't need to be worried about it. (laughs) Normal human thing. This is good. we're, We're telling the people a lot of things they need to hear. Yeah. Jenny, do you think we should do casting? Should we do a little casting? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's get okay, into our, our last segment here. Okay, Guy, we do a little game at the end called mm-hmm. Casting, where we pick a category. Yes. And within that category, we cast ourselves as a thing and then each other as that thing. So, okay. you know, classic example, Sex in the City, go around, say who we yes. are and all that. So yes. we're going to pick a category. We can do it together as a family, something that came up organically while we were talking. Or if there's anything that comes to mind for you, we can easily do that. All right. Let's pick as a family. Okay. Okay. Um, What's a thing? We could do the sound of music. We could do Dear Evan Hansen. We could do company. Would, what did you do Stephen Sondheim's company? 
I could do company. I could also do Sound of Music. I know Sound of Music better than company. Okay, let's do Sound of Music. Do you mind? Yeah. If you're ready. If you're ready. I, or should I give you guys time to be ready? I'll give you guys no, time. No, no. Do it. I think I'm ready. I think I am the man who helps them get into the music festival. I forget his name. Uncle Max. Uncle Max. <laughs> I am giving hard Uncle Max. <laughs> Actually, yeah. <laughs> I would say that Nicole is the Baroness. I would say <gasps> that Nicole is a noblewoman who wants to send children to boarding school. <laughs> and Jenny, uh, like, I'm torn in a number of different directions. You know, I think Liesl, just in that you are on the very precipice of a womanly journey. Yep. But I would also say that there are some elements of the nun who is holding car parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why is she holding car parts? <laughs> not for us to know it's for her to know she she went to work one day she said i'm making a choice my nun has it does auto work i love it incredible casting i i am happy to bounce in here i cast myself as gretel the smallest child who is so cute when they're all singing a song and she goes to sleep on the stairs i was like oh gretel's so cute so i feel that is me guy i i had you for liesel i i think that you are one of the smartest people i've literally ever met and um you know you are ready to take on the world and learn and get fucked <laughs> this is what i think the subtext of that song yes. um and, uh that just felt very the precipice that felt very guy to me and jenny i cast you as the cardboard goats when they're spinning <laughs> <laughs> That's only goat herd I, yeah i really feel like you are sort of the goats with like the paper eyes moving yeah, around for and, sure. um, wow i can't believe i didn't landed. think of the goat <laughs> for you perfect julie andrews in 1964 could do fucking anything like oh it is God. insane what she was capable of i'm sorry completely absolutely i'm always looking for that dress that she wears at the night of the lonely goat herd where she dances with the captain and she blushes I think of that. I want that dress so bad. Where do I find it? <laughs> you see anything that resembles it? Let me know. Okay. For myself, I gave myself Liesl. I also think, you know, she's just trying to get fucked and get out of there and get out in the rain. <laughs> and I relate to that guy. I gave you the Baroness. I feel just a similar yeah. sort of like out of towner. I love that moment <laughs> where they like toss her the ball and she's like, oh, you know, no. <laughs> Does she want to be the mother to 17 children? No. You know, like what is she doing there? She just wants to hang out with the hottest man alive, which I understand. And Nicole, I gave you Captain Von Trapp because just yeah, hottest man alive energy, real like coming <laughs> in and blowing a whistle and everyone's alert. Yes. Um, I would love to be Dom Daddy in this way. <laughs> <laughs> and then you also have the side of like Edelweiss, just a gentle, soft gorgeous voice so just the dichotomy and captain von trapp represents movies <laughs> really good you. it's one I of my faves wow okay <laughs> thank <laughs> you for the sound of music was a perfect option thank you guy <laughs> for thinking of that and thank you so much for coming on the pod it's such a lovely time having you really the beauty of podcasts is like if podcasts didn't exist i could have gone another decade without having a real good <laughs> conversation with nicole Spizio or yeah. meeting jenny yeah. i'm very i very much appreciate that thank you guys for having me on 
Tell the people Worth where it. to Worth find it. you and keep up with you and get their fix of you. I am at Guy Branham across all social media. And Nicole already did the very good work of plugging my book, My Life as a Goddess. And also, okay. if you haven't watched Platonic on Apple Plus, please watch Platonic on Apple Plus. I play a character who is incidentally fat and it is not a part of his identity. We love to see it. That, Hell yeah. That's the change I want to see in the world. <laughs> Someone that happens to be fat. Imagine that. Thank you so much, Guy. Really a pleasure to chat with you and, and get to know you better. Meeting. 